Okay, it's good to see everybody out. I'm happy to be here. Happy for every, everybody that's able to be out, even though we have several that are traveling. We're happy, as Seth pointed out, for your presence. And invite you to get your Bibles and follow along. Very important that you follow along. Uh, we all have the divine obligation to search the scriptures and uh, have the responsibility to speak the truth. And you have the responsibility to check out what I have to say from the example of Acts chapter 17 because they were searching the scriptures, checking out what Paul and Silas were teaching, and certainly they didn't get upset, and I'm not going to get upset either on this matter of studying from the scriptures. Uh, we're going to have a very important topic this morning as we're going to talk about the Godhead. We begin our study here in the book of Acts chapter 17. I'm uh, reading from the American uh, King James, that is, it takes the King James and it takes out the, the, the thus and uh, these and the thous and Anyway, it just makes it more modern English. But I, I prefer this because it uses the term Godhead. If you're reading from other translations, there'll be uh, like divine nature, divine being, or deity. And, uh, but I, I prefer and, and like the term Godhead. And that's uh, how we tied our lesson. In verse 29 of Acts chapter 17, Paul here in the city of Athens, he says, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, Graven by, uh, graven by and uh, man's device. So Paul speaks about the Godhead. And then in Romans chapter 1, in verse 20, it says, For the invisible things uh, from him, from the beginning of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And then there in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, For all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. And so what we're going to talk about is the Godhead and the concept of the Godhead and what we mean by that. It's kind of a, kind of a very profound type concept. It's sort of difficult for some people to, the, uh, the concept of the triune Godhead, but I hope we can try to make it clear and, and try to explain it where we can comprehend and relate to it uh, because there is some, uh, somewhat of a difficulty in comprehending it, but I think, I think we can get what the, what the Bible is talking about. All right, first off, when we talk about the Godhead, let's just define what we mean by that. Uh, when you look up the word Godhead, as it's translated in the King James and some other translations, it's the idea of being divine. That is deity. That is being Godlike. Godhead would be, you could also say, Godhood. Like, like for instance, we talk about children. They're in their childhood. That is, they have the state of quality of being, being children. And then they grow up and then they'll become part of manhood or womanhood. That is the state or the quality of being a man or being a woman. That is, being an adult. And when we talk about the Godhead or the Godhood, that is the state of quality, the state or the quality of being God. That is, being divine, being a deity, the supreme uh, divinity. Sometimes people use the word trinity or triune God. And that would be okay. I, I, I generally don't use the word Trinity because, like, if you study with people that deny the concept of Trinity, they'll, they'll sort of bash you over the head and say, all right, well, where does the Bible use the word Trinity? Well, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity. It, it's a scriptural concept, and, and uh, I, I don't have a problem. I just generally don't use the term Trinity because it just sort of saves trouble if you're ever in a big conversation, but I use the term Godhead because that is a biblical term to describe the, the triune God, Godhead. 
Alright, so when we talk about the idea of the Godhead, there, there's a oneness, a, a unity about this, this God. Uh, over in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, this is a, this is a very interesting uh, verse here. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, or that is Jehovah, Jehovah our God is one Lord, or one Jehovah, or Yahweh, if you prefer that pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton. But it says, uh, Jehovah our God is one Lord. Now, interesting, the term God here is from the term Elohim. It's the idea of God, but it's the idea and concept of plural, a plurality. And so you've got Jehovah, that is the Godhead, and then it says Jehovah our God, that is this plurality, because there's plurality of persons, is one Jehovah and interesting if you look up in Mr. Strong's dictionary that word one is the idea of unity or united one so the plurality of persons of Jehovah that is of uh, of deity of divinity the Godhead there's the there is the plurality of persons but they are united one there in the book of first uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse uh, verse 4, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4, uh, Paul says, As concerning, therefore, uh, the eating of those things that are offered, unto sacri- uh, uh, offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that the idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. There's no other God but one. That is the, the one true triune Godhead. It is one. God is one. But there's a plurality of persons in the one Godhead. Now, those who, who disagree with that and, and say, no, 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 God is just one. There's only one person in the Godhead. And there are various positions that are taken about that. They'll sort of make fun of that. And they'll say, yeah, one plus one plus one equals one. Oh, boy, that, that's really dumb. And they'll just make fun and make light of the idea. But uh, it's interesting that that word one that's found there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, the, uh, the Lord of God is one Lord. That word's also found in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined his wife, and they, the plural pronoun, they, that is the man and the woman, they shall be one flesh. So you talk about marriage, you got a man and a woman, they come together. In marriage, they shall be one flesh. So you could you could say, All right, one man, one woman, so one plus one equals one. Ha, that, that, that's crazy math. You, you see, you're, you're making fun of a biblical concept. They're one. That is, they're a united one. They're one flesh. That is, they're united. Yeah, there's two persons. There are two, two entities there, two, two people in marriage, but, but they're one flesh. That is, they're a united one. And that's the, that's the point about the triune Godhead is that there are three persons, but they're one. That is, they're a united one. And that's the concept that is presented in the scripture. So when it talks about that there's one God, that there's one Jehovah, that is there's one deity, there's three persons in the one Godhead. And so when we study the scriptures, there are just tons of passages that talk about the, the plurality of persons in the Godhead. And so we're just going to look at several verses that 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 affirm and, and show the, the three persons in the one Godhead. Genesis chapter 1. Notice there in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible begins. 
In the beginning, God, again, that's the word Elohim, that is God in plural. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Interesting note, the word created is a singular verb. And so the plurality, that is the plural Godhead, created, that is the, the singular verb, that is created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So here we have God, you'd have God the Father, you have the Holy Spirit mentioned, and then if you look at John chapter 1, in the beginning, so we're talking about the same time frame, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that Word we know in John chapter 1 is Jesus, because verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. Is talking about Jesus. So here you've got God the Father, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got Jesus all in the beginning, the triune Godhead. The three persons of the one Godhead described there in the beginning, that is before creation. You see, they existed eternally. So when you talk about divinity, you talk about the Godhead, you talk about uh, deity, deity always exists. It's like the term Jehovah. If you look up the definition of the word Jehovah, the Tetragrammaton, that is the self-existent one. He always existed. You remember Moses there in Exodus chapter 3 when he, when he seen the burning bush. He said, oh, I'm going to go check that out. It's not burning up. And, and God speaks to him and he says, uh, you go tell my people. Well, who am I going to say? You tell them I am that I am. I sent you. I am. I am is present tense, not I was past tense not I will be future tense but I am because God has always existed he is the self-existent one that is the concept of deity that is the concept of divinity and he's the one that existed before there was creation that is the earth the planet uh, the sun the moon the stars the plants the trees the animals and us God always existed that is divinity the Godhead and there were a plurality of persons in the Godhead and notice there in Genesis chapter 1, drop down in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you notice the three pronouns there? Us, our, our, our is plural. It did not say, and God said, let me make man in my image after my likeness. No, it says our. What? Who's the plurality there? Well, it's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the one Godhead. You see, that demands, as you look there, that man and woman were created in God's image. So God created man in his own image, and in the image God created he him. Male and female created he them. So both man and woman bear the image of the Godhead. God said, let us make man in our image, that is, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that is, we bear the image of God, of divinity. Not that we have arms, not that we have eyeballs, not that we have feet, but that we bear the image spiritually. That is, we have intelligence, we have emotions, we have free will, we have the power to choose. That's what makes us look like God, makes us look like the Holy Spirit, makes us look like the Jesus, makes us look like God the Father. Notice another Old Testament passage, the idea of plurality there uh, oh let me mention uh, we didn't look at Genesis 3 but let me just read that also and the Lord God said behold the man is become as one of us us again the plural pronoun 
Now, let's look there in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, you have there the throne scene that uh, Isaiah was permitted to see. And uh, there in verse 9, as God is speaking there and uh, talking, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? No. Who will go for us? The Lord saying, who will go for us? Again, the plural pronoun, us. That is the plurality of persons of the one Godhead is being described. Then we come to the New Testament. Notice in Matthew chapter 3, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3. In verse 16, and Jesus, there is one person, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and see the heavens were open. Uh, opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. That is, John was seeing the Spirit of God. So here you got Jesus and the Spirit of God, kind of like a dove falling upon him uh, and lighting upon him. Verse 17, and I see a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you got Jesus, then the Holy Spirit falls upon him, and then God speaks from heaven, This is my beloved Son. We have the Father. So there you have, again, the three persons of the triune Godhead, of deity, of divinity. Three distinct personalities that are described there. And then we come to the book of John. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And in verse 16, it says, and I, Jesus speaking, and I, I will pray the Father. So here you got Jesus, and he says, I'm going to pray to the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So the comforter here is speaking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, I will pray to the Father and the Holy Spirit's going to come. The spirit of truth is going to come upon you. So again, three distinct personalities in the one Godhead. Matthew chapter 28, pretty familiar verse there in the Great Commission. Uh, there in verse 19, go ye therefore... And teach all nations, or go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, that is the disciples you're making, the people you're teaching, baptizing them in the name, that is by the authority of, by the authority of the Father, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So there, by the authority of the triune Godhead, people are baptized by divinity, by, by divine authority. But again, showing the three persons of the one Godhead. In Acts chapter 7, you've got Stephen here preaching there before the Sanhedrin and the rest of the Jews there that would be listening. And it talks about how they got all upset about what he was teaching. It says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, that is, talking about Stephen, so we got the Holy Spirit, looked upon steadfastly into heaven, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God. So there you got God the Father. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So here you've got, you've, got, you've got Stephen. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And he's looking up and he sees the glory of God. And he sees next to God Jesus standing at the right hand. Or standing on the right hand of God. Which that would be actually kind of funny. Of those who take the, the oneness doctrine. That is Jesus He's the only personality, and sometimes he manifests himself as the Father, and sometimes he manifests himself as the Holy Spirit. So Jesus standing on the right hand of God, that is God the Father, it'd be like, it'd be like, if I could illustrate it, like, 
I mean, that's silly, you know. But if you take the Jesus only position, that that's literally how you would have to understand that, and that looks kind of crazy because it is crazy because that's that's not true. There are three persons, so you got you got Stephen, he's got the Holy Spirit, and he sees he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. Again, three distinct personalities, but still one uh, one God, uh, united one. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter ten. You've got Peter preaching here to Cornelius and those that were gathered there. And he talks about how, uh, <clears throat> how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So God, that would be God the Father, anointed Jesus, the second person, with the Holy Spirit. You see? So you got God, you got Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit. Again, the three persons of the one Godhead. I mean, you, you have to be impressed. Sometimes people think, well, where do you get this idea of the triune God? Where do you get this idea of the Godhead of three persons? Well, all these verses where you get this idea. It's the truth of the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talking about the miraculous spiritual gifts in this text. And actually, it's a, a kind of a unit, 12, 13, 14. Chapter 12, he talks about the diversity, the various gifts. And then chapter 13, that they're temporary in the, the more excellent way. In chapter 14, while they're here, here's the regulation. But here in chapter 12, it says, Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, that is, of these gifts, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of operations, that is the operation of these miraculous gifts, but it is the same God. So verse 4 says the same Spirit, verse 5 says the same Lord, and verse 6 says the same God. There you got the Spirit, you got the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus, and the same God, that is God the Father. Again, the triune Godhead, the three persons of the one Godhead. Let's notice there in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, uh, oh, excuse me. Jumped, uh, jumped a gun there. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. Now, I really like this verse. This is really powerful, very clear. In the final verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the last verse of, of the book, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, one person, the love of God, there's the second person, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So three persons. Yeah, God is one that is a united one. That is the three persons of the one Godhead being described here. We have some that say, well, the Holy Spirit is just sort of like, like energy. Well, why would you have communion with energy? No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's with, with the person of, uh, of the Godhead. That is the Holy Spirit. He's, he, he's a person. He thinks, etc. And then in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 18, it says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. That is, through him, that is Jesus, there's one person. We have access by the spirit, there's the second person, to the Father. There's the third person of the one Godhead. Then notice Ephesians chapter 4, that platform for unity, those seven comprehensive ones there in verse 4 there is one body and one spirit that's the Holy Spirit so you got the one spirit verse 4 verse 5 the one Lord the Lord Jesus there's the second person verse 6 one God and Father of all you see it's, it, 
It's a united one when we speak about the Godhead. You got the Spirit, you got the Lord Jesus, and you got God the Father. They all possess deity or divinity. And then in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, Peter says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, one person, through the sanctification of the Spirit, there's the second person of the Godhead, to the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, there's the third person of the triune Godhead. Again, described there, once again, in one text. And then notice one more verse, or one more passage. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches, uh, seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which was, which was, which was, and which is to come. Right? That's God the Father. And from the seven spirits, seven is used as a figurative number, talking about the Holy Spirit, seven being complete, that is the Holy Spirit, which are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ. So here's these greetings from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. Again, the three persons of the one Godhead. So lots of verses affirm the whole concept of the Godhead. So you've got God the Father. He's God. He's divinity. Notice once again there, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So we've got God the Father. The Father. He possesses deity, divinity. That is Godhood. That is the, the state or the quality of being God. Then you've got Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 talks about Jesus, the Son. It says, But to the Son he saith, Your throne, O God. Speaking to Jesus, the Son. Your throne, O God. So you've got God the Father, you've got God the Son. And then finally, in Acts chapter 5, you got God the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, there in verses 3 and 4. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So verse 3, Peter says you've lied to the Holy Spirit. But in verse 4 it says, well, in lying to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God because you've got God the Holy Spirit. So you've got God the Father. You've got, you've got God the Son, and you've got God the Holy Spirit. And they all are deity, divinity, Godhead, or Godhood. Uh, I was about to say deity, deity, that's a Spanish word for deity. Uh, you've got divinity, the divine supreme being. That is, they all share the quality that makes them God. Just like when the kids here in the assembly, they're going to grow up and they're going to Grow up into adulthood. They don't possess adulthood now, but in time they will grow into adulthood because then when they become adults, they will have the qualities and characteristics of being adults. Now they have the qualities and characteristics of being children because they're in childhood. And when we talk about divinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead or the Godhood, they possess the qualities or characteristics that makes them God. Now we talk about God the Father, but the Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Son. Notice there in John 8 and verse 16. Jesus says, And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. He didn't say, I 
who am the Father. No, he says, I am the Father. Distinct personality. So the Father, God the Father, and God the Son, they're both deity, divinity, but the Father is not the Son. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. Once again, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. It didn't say God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with himself. No. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, part of the eternal Godhead, distinct personality. So the Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. Nor is the Father the Holy Spirit. They're distinct personalities. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit, or the Comforter, distinct personalities. The Father didn't send himself, he sent the Holy Spirit. We've got a distinct personality described in the one Godhead, this triune Godhead, this united one. The Lord our God, Jehovah our God, is one. That is a united Jehovah deity, a self-existent one, the one who has always existed. I mean, everything that we think about physically, it all had a beginning. It's like, well, this building was built. I said, well, the building was built in 1998. Or, I got a 2008 Ford Escape, so it was made in 2008, or it could have been the fall of 2007. Or, you know, I was born. I was born March 11, 1958. That, that was my point of beginning. I mean, everything that we think of that we relate to uh, physically and things of this world had a point of beginning. Even planet Earth had a point of beginning. That is when God created it. Some, whoever, how many years ago it was. But not God. There is no, well, God began to exist. You know, sometimes people say, well, where did God come from? You know, if I, I, say, I say, well, God came from X. Oh, man, I really, I've been thinking about that a long time. I'm glad you cleared that up. So God came from X. I'm, I'm glad to hear that answer. And what's your next question going to be? Well, where did X come from? Well, X came from Y. Oh, well, that, that makes it clear. And then what's going to be your next question? Well, where did Y come from? You see, you have to have a first that never began, that always existed. Either you take the concept of, of the Godhead, of deity, that the deity is the self-existent one, because that's the term Jehovah, that's what it means, and that's really the truth of the matter, that he's the intelligent creator that made all things, or you take that matter is eternal and it just always existed, and it by blind chance and dumb luck, it just, there was a big explosion, and then through the processes of evolution, first off chemical evolution, so life just sort of sprang to life and then everything began to sort of change over the years and the millennium and the, the millions of years and that's how we got here. Man, that, that don't even make sense. Don't even begin to make sense. Don't even begin to make sense like this computer just sort of happened. It's laying up here. It's sort of hidden now, but I'm touching it so it's, it's working. You're seeing, you're seeing the presentation, but this computer just didn't happen. This microphone just didn't happen. This, this little remote control just didn't happen. It was created by intelligent beings. We look at it and say, of course intelligent beings created it. And that's what we're talking about, God. He's the self-existent one. And he existed in three persons. 
And an interesting problem would be also if you take the idea that there was only one person in the Godhead, in, in the definition of love there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in the uh, definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, uh, that love does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own. Seeks not its own. That must be seeking somebody else. But if there's only one person in the Godhead, and God is love, and the Bible says that, God is love, and in the definition of love, love seeks not its own, but if you only have one person, then, then God only love himself. Couldn't seek anybody else. If it seeks not its own, but the only thing, only one that he could ever seek good for would be himself, because he's the only one that existed. See, you see, then you kind of get in a problem. But if you have the idea of plurality of persons in the Godhead, well, of course, then God seeks not its own, because God is love. The Father sought the good of the Son. The Son sought the good of the Father. The Father sought the good of the Holy Spirit. And so, you see, they seek not their own. They, uh, they, there's three personalities in the one Godhead. Ah, let's see if we can illustrate it with a couple of things. All right, you can talk about an egg. You can talk about an apple. It's kind of simple. But I think we can kind of get a hold of it. When you look at an egg, here you got just one egg. It's one, it's one, singular, but when, when you look at an egg, there's like three distinct parts of that egg. You've you got the shell, and then you kind of got the white inside, and then you got that yellow center, the yolk. But it's still, it, isn't it just an egg? I mean, do you, you look at an egg, and you say, well, there's three eggs here. No, you, it's, it's an egg. It's one egg. But there are three distinct parts to that egg, is there not? Yeah, there's three distinct parts, but it's still an egg. One egg. It, it's unified. And when we talk about the triune God, the Godhead, yeah, there are three distinct personalities, but it's still one God. Then you can look at the apple. The apple, you've got the outside covering, called the peel. And then you bite into it, and there's all that meat there. That is the apple material there. And then you kind of got the center where you got the seeds are and kind of that hard hard part there where the stem sticks in that is the core so you, you talk about an apple one apple it's one but there are three distinct parts in that one apple is there not we go, oh yeah we understand that so how is it that we can understand about an apple or an egg being one but yet three distinct parts well we can pretty easy and if we can understand that then we can understand about the one Godhead that is one true and living God but three distinct personalities in the one Godhead three parts but one alright now when we understand this concept this whole concept of the one Godhead the three persons in the triune Godhead it answers various errors that are in the world first off polytheism polytheism that is you got all these various gods you got Horus and Isis and Jupiter and Mercury and Saturn and you got uh, all these various gods of, of the various nations, Baal, Astaroth, etc. No. The gods, plural, is simply make-believe. They do not comprise. They, they, they don't, even, don't even exist. They're actually just imaginations. They're like Batman and Superman. You know, they're sort of figments of people's imaginations. 
but the true and living God, the one God. Yeah, he does exist, he, and he's the one that revealed the Bible. He's the one who gave us the Bible and describes himself in the Word. Also, when we understand about the true Godhead, it answers those who deny the deity of Jesus. Like, for instance, uh, our Jewish friends, they don't accept Jesus. They say, oh, yeah, he lived, but he was just a mere man, and he died, and etc. Or in Islam, Islam says, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he was a prophet, uh, blessed be his name, and, uh, but he wasn't the last prophet. Muhammad, you know, he's the last great prophet. No, they deny that Jesus was... The, the deity, the divinity, that he was God in the flesh. And, of course, there's Jehovah's Witnesses, friend. There's another group that denies the divinity, the deity of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, God incarnate. And the Word, who was God, was made flesh. See, we have, we have harmony. Now, somebody says, well, how, how did that happen? Well, I don't know that I can fully explain that, how deity took upon a tabernacle of flesh I'm going to state the fact of it but I know it's true that Jesus was part of the eternal Godhead and he was made flesh don't know how to explain all that but I just, I just I, 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 all I can do is state the fact of it the divinity of Jesus Christ something else those who take the position of Jesus only that, that when you talk about God that Jesus is he just sort of manifests himself sometimes as, as the Father, and sometimes he manifests himself as, as the Holy Spirit, and sometimes he manifests himself as, as Jesus uh, that walked up here upon the earth. Well, that, that's not true. It's kind of like his baptism, you know. Here, here Jesus, in the tabernacle of flesh, he sort of, he sort of somehow he throws some sort of, I don't know, hologram of, of himself uh, as the Holy Spirit coming down upon himself, and then he's sort of like a ventriloquist, sort of speaking from heaven to say, you know, this is my beloved son, talking to himself about himself. That, that, that's just not true. I mean, <laughs> the oneness doctrine is just incorrect. Is there oneness about the God? A unified Godhead? Yeah, there's, there's a oneness. But there are three distinct personalities. And also... When we get the whole concept of the eternal Godhead, the three personalities, he's the one that created all things. He's the one that we should reverence and stand in awe, uh, that made us, that we should love, that we should forever pay homage to. And he's the one that, that had this plan of creating man, and then man sins, and then he had a plan to, to redeem man. And he, he set that in motion after man fell in sin there in Genesis chapter 3. And through the ages, he worked to bring this plan to pass that Jesus would be born of the Virgin Mary. And that he would grow up among men and ultimately he'd be betrayed and, and be crucified and die on the cross. I mean, it's just fantastic that he did all that and went to all that trouble for us to be redeemed. Which he didn't have to. But by his grace and by his mercy. And that, of course, is the God that we need to always reverence and worship and pay homage to. Worship God. You know, it's kind of interesting when the devil attempted Jesus. Said, oh, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You see, our, our nature as creatures of God is we're going to worship and serve something. And what God says... And what Jesus said in answering the temptation, worship God, 
is direct that worship and that homage and that service and that devotion to the true living God, the God of the Bible, the Godhead that is presented in the scriptures of those three distinct personalities. Well, the Godhead does have a plan of salvation, what we need to do to be saved. And that is, we believe in Jesus the Christ. We hear this good news. We'd be willing to repent, to make a turnabout, that we'd be willing to acknowledge that uh, Jesus, of course, is the Christ, to make that good confession of faith, that we would acknowledge and say, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that, yeah, I'm willing to turn. And, yeah, I'm willing to uh, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins. Yeah, we could do that. We can do that. Because we're made in God's image. We can use our intelligence as we learn about this great God. And we learn about the problem of sin. And we learn about redemption. And it sort of affects our emotions. And therefore, we're going to change our will. And say, yeah, I'm, I want to accept that. And if you're here and you want to obey the gospel, you could do that. And then to rise, to walk in newness of life, grow and be faithful. And if you do err, come back through repentance and prayer, the second law of pardon. Well, we're going to sing this song to your encouragement. If there's one here that needs to obey the gospel and we could help, you let us know. We'll be glad to assist you. While we get as we stand.